This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. What's going on, everybody? We have a great guest for you today. One of my good friends is Jeff Maggio, the Lunker Dog. Run that dog. He is the uh, person behind the mullet run, and Jeff has been a long-time YouTube celebrity. He is a great fishing guide in the Fort Lauderdale and Miami area. We're going to check in with him today about the water quality in Fort Lauderdale primarily, as well as lots of other things. So stay tuned for an awesome show with Jeff Maggio, the Lunker Dog. This is Captain Jeff, the Lunker Dog, and I'm on the Tom Rowland Podcast. The Lunker Dog. Jeff, how are you, man? Life's treating me pretty good. Um... Can't complain in the life of a tarpon guide. I think I'm right here at top of the echelon here. Right on. How was your tarpon season? And and you're about to embark on another one with a mullet run probably coming through. Or tell us what, what's going on with yeah. that as well as how you did this spring. Well, the typical tarpon season was uh, very consistent this year. The fish weren't quite as big. Uh, we caught a lot of fish between 20 and 80 pounds which um, a lot of my clients really were digging because, I mean, been doing this a long time. Some of my clients are getting old, <laughs> and sometimes a 40-pound fish is better for a certain guy than a 140-pound fish. So they were digging that. Um, very busy, you know, um, crazy busy, which uh, is good for me. I'm not doing doubles anymore. I'm not doing weekends anymore. So if I can get five trips a weekend, at this age, I'm feeling pretty good about it all. What about night And then trips? the summer tarpon season here, that's all I'm pretty much doing. Okay. Um, I'll do one trip a day. Right now I'm doing 4 to 9 p.m. I just was doing 6 to 11 p.m. during the summer. And then as we get uh, closer, you know, to Christmas, we'll be able to go earlier and earlier because it gets darker earlier. But right. I do that one trip as the sun's going down every day, and that seems to be my sweet spot right now and um, not doing doubles anymore. So, uh, you know, kind of on cruise control. But the summer fishing this year was phenomenal. I mean, it rained almost every single day down here. We had this El Nino summer, mm -hmm. and these 10 to 30-pound tarpon on 8 to 12-pound gear, I mean, we were catching, you know, somewhere between 30 and 40 fish a week. Wow. And, um, yeah, I mean, that's just really fun fishing. And then um, just the last couple of days, the mullet run's starting to come through. So let me wish you happy bait. 
Yeah. Yeah. Happy bait to you as well. So um, when you first, that's got to be one of the most exciting times of the year when you start to see that happening and is it, it starts to develop into something that is like, you know, as good as years, as good as you've seen it in years past. I don't know what it is for you this year, but like, do you, when you first start seeing the mullet run come through, do you ever have like a a way that you can kind of forecast what it's going to look like? Do you like it to, to come in real strong or do you like it to kind of trickle in and then fill in later? What explain that process to me a little bit. Well, the traditionally the mullet run, what would happen was, is the first uh, migration that would come through would be the little tiny finger mullet and the canals would just get full of them, you know, and then you'd get a second wave of bait um, that would come through. That would be like, you know, your five to nine inch mullet, silver mullet. And, um, that's when some of the bigger fish would start coming in. The snooks turn on to the mullet at that time. And then at the end of the run, we call it the real pod, is when the big black mullet come flying through and the giant tarpon are there and the giant jacks and everything. But in today's day and age, we're just happy to see any trickle of bait coming through. Yeah. You know, um, usually in, well, I shouldn't say usually, but in years past, the mullet run started, say, the first week in September. You started to see some bait come through, and then it would gradually build. And then right now, it it really kind of be peaking. We didn't see anything till this week. Oh. Okay. And you want to talk about the way the mullet migration works. It's just like the stock market, except the opposite. The stock market always kind of seems to find a way to get a little bit bigger and a little bit better. Well, the mullet run every year gets a little bit worse hmm. and you know and it's it, it, it's 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 hard it's such a, a, a fight in your mind because we're catching all these fish but we're also watching the mullet run fade right you know what i mean everything's yeah. uh, the way the way you fish has changed the way you anticipate has changed what you see today doesn't mean anything for tomorrow very inconsistent and um that whole term happy bait was when everybody could go out and catch bait it was easy for everybody. Everybody was doing it. You don't see that anymore. Hmm. Um, even today, you know, we're spending an hour or so going to find the right bait, and we're in the peak of the mullet run. Wow. So, so what does that tell you? That's the status of it. What do you think that well, – do you make anything of that? Well, I mean, it's, just, it's, just, it's a story that we've all told. Um, you know, here in South Florida, we've concreted everything from the coastline to the Everglades which used to be a great estuary for mullet, shrimp, grass shrimp, all sorts of stuff. Well, it's all dammed up now. What used to be brackish water is now fresh water. The, the sewage systems and stuff like that are, you know, dumping into the water, not just here in Fort Lauderdale, but the whole state. Mm-hmm. Because of that, you know, the fish are having a harder time reproducing. So every year there's less bait, there's a little bit less fish. And it's kind of like the whole state of Florida. We're watching it happen. Um, we're analyzing it. The people that are out there every day can see it plain as day. The people that aren't out out there every day, they're deep in the forest and they really can't see. Even when you explain it to them or even when you show it to them on a video or whatever, it's really hard for them to digest it because they just don't have a uh, relative point to analyze what you're showing them. Right. I don't know if that makes sense, but uh, no. that's kind of the situation we're in. Now, so much. Uh, I mean, I've I've seen a lot of your posts and stuff about the the um, water quality in Fort Lauderdale as far as the sewage goes. Um, mm-hmm. Where what do you think the, the status of that is currently? 
Well, the status of that is as pathetic as it's ever been. Here in Fort Lauderdale, we put in infrastructure in the 60s and 70s, okay? Uh, we really haven't updated much since then. There's been like one giant main pipe that they kind of up, upgraded the last few years because the sewage spills were so intense, they had to do something. But now that the focus is off of it, it's right back to the same old thing. And more sewage is, is piling into the water now than ever. And what's happening is, is I, I tell people to count the toilets, okay, because mm -hmm. they haven't upgraded the system. But the number of toilets that they're plugging into the system right. grows exponentially. And I mean, like, they take a place that used to have 10 toilets, and then they put 2,000 toilets in. Right. And then plug it into the same infrastructure that the 20 toilets are in. And then they wonder why it blows up and then goes into the into the intercoastal. And then the state's very irresponsible. They're, it's legal for the city of Fort Lauderdale or Broward County to dump their sewage into Port Everglades. What? It's legal. It's legal. There's a big sewage pipe underneath the 17th Street Causeway Bridge. And if anybody would like to go smell the sewage or watch it get dumped into the intercoastal, this week we're having heavy tides, you know, these big tides. Last week we had heavy tides and heavy rains. So the sewage system, think of it as your swimming pool. Well, when it rains like crazy and there's a high tide, it works off gravity, there's no place for the sewage to go. So they have a release system which is a pipe that's directly under 17th Street Causeway where they dump it right into the Port Everglades. Oh, that's horrible. And, and, and the day before yesterday, we were fishing, and you could smell it. We actually left the bridge because the smell was so bad. Not a sign up, people fishing underneath the bridge, people jet skiing, people paddle boarding, all the stuff. Wow. Right in the sewage. Wow. Yeah. So the state's got a really big issue on its hands because there's no enforcement nobody cares and this stuff's happening every single day not just here in fort lauderdale it's across the state right and the mullet run is a great way to to gauge how bad it, it is it's the canary in the coal because, mine yeah right. it's like it's it's a way for everybody to see it and if and if you're not you know totally convinced well take a look at the mullet run if that doesn't show it for you you know nothing will when you uh, look back on your life in Fort Lauderdale and you think about mm -hmm. the best mullet run you've ever seen, explain what yeah. that looked like. Well, um, it's, you know, we're going back to the 80s. Yeah. Call it late 80s. Okay. Um, we would often take our bikes down to the beach because um, it was very busy, not a lot of parking and stuff. And we only lived about 10 blocks. So we take the bikes and we go over Los Olos Bridge, and from the top of the bridge, you could see the ocean. And the ocean from the beach basically to the swim buoys looked black, like tar, like it was paved. And it was just wall-to-wall -wall mullet. And you could see it from the top of the drawbridge a half a mile away from the beach. Wow. And, and when you saw that, you know, your heart would be thumping and you'd be coming down the other end of the bridge. And at that age, you're going as fast as you possibly can. And you got your cast net and your rods, your snatch hook. I mean, you're ready to rock and roll. And the anticipation was just unbelievable. And now you go over the bridge and you just pray that you see some birds, any type of activity. Um, and... I don't know. You're almost like gun shy at this point. That anticipation that we used to get and that thrill, like you knew it was there and you were going to go meet it. It's so 
sketchy now that you just don't get that anymore, which totally pisses me off because of the youth. Right. You know what I mean? Because that's that's where the kids would get hooked on fishing. You could go to the beach. You could experience, you know, National Geographic type, type stuff right on your own beach. So that would create the kids that, you know, were into the sport. They were, you know, it would introduce them to it and give them something to look forward to. Like if you're into football, you got football season, you know, in the middle of the summer, you can't wait for it to start. But well, that's what the kids had here, not just in South Florida, but the whole East coast of Florida. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It was an anticipation level. It was a season, you know, and that's why we used to do the LunkerCon event. That was originally called the happy bait celebration because it was a season for us fishermen and we celebrated it. We don't do LunkerCon anymore because there's no such thing as the happy bait syndrome anymore. Mm. Man. Yeah, I hate to sound like such a downer after catching, you know, 30 tarpon last week. But, well, I mean, you know. and that, that was the next question is like, you're, you, you're not really a negative guy, in my opinion. You uh, managed to keep your optimism um, even in the, in the face of seeing the fishery kind of deteriorate. How, how do you do that? Well, I think, I think my, I'm able to communicate with people because of the social media audience and the old, you know, YouTube audience, the, the podcast audience. And it helps me, you know, to, it helps me to feel productive, like something may change or there is something that I can do. Um, and I've always been into media and in my opinion one of the reasons we're losing the fight for clean water is because we don't have a solid media source pumping out the media. We've seen a little bit, you know, from captains from clean waters, they're making the kind of like these high end productions guys like you and I, you know, we'll do little stuff here and there, but one of the most humbling experiences for me this last few years is I started this thing called CCN, which is the coastal coastal community network. And that was a small media company basically to show people, you know, um, what's happening with, not just uh, the Everglades or the Keys, but the whole state of Florida. Yeah. And we put out these clips and it shows, you know, the pollution. We shows the problems and that type of thing. And we get all these views, you know, and people pat you on the back and they say, dude, you're doing a great job. So that type of thing helps me. But very humbling because I really thought there was more people that would buy in, you know, to the problem. Yeah. To want to solve it. And I'm not seeing that. And then that's the part that discourages me the most. Like I grew up on the water here in Fort Lauderdale. I know a lot of people that live on the water, you know, they're under their boats. They got their canals in the back. Their sport fishing was their life. I would, I would, I really thought that those people would have more outrage, would be more involved, would lead the charge. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I'm not seeing that in South Florida and it's driving me freaking crazy, Tom. Why do you think that is? I mean, just because they feel maybe that it's too big of a problem and there's nothing that they can do or what, what do you think? Some, I, I think some people feel like that. I think that the whole environmental crowd has tainted the messaging. For instance, like these people that glue their feet to the ground at tennis matches and shit. Yes. You know what I mean? Yeah. (laughs) Or go out to that place in the, where they out in Texas or something and they blocked the road and people couldn't get anywhere or whatever the hell they were doing. So you had like these crazy extremists out there, you know, that are doing stuff like that, that I think often taints the message. 
Um, so they think of like, okay, you know, this Lunker dog dude, he's always talking about the pollution and everything. And somewhere in their mind, you know, like, okay, who is the Lunker dog? And the only other people I've ever seen, you know, get crazy about the environment are these people that are gluing their feet to the, to the ground and that kind of thing. Right. So I think there's a disconnect there. And I also think that the people that got a lot of dough in this town are a little bit embarrassed by it. You know what I mean? Sure. Like, would you want to tell your cousin up in New York? You know, you just brought a $5 million house down here and the fecal bacteria level is frigging off the charts in my backyard. You know, it's not like something you want to bring up. So I think a combination of all that stuff. Probably fishing guides also, there's there's some hesitancy to, to be talking too much about it um, because they fear they might lose lose their customer base. Right. Like they, yes. they just may go somewhere else. And so I think that a lot of fishing guides are are careful about what they say. And even in the beginning stages of Captains for Clean Water, it was kind of like, man, I don't know that that's something that you want to talk about as a fishing guide. But I, I kind of felt the other way. And I believed that um, that they have have managed their messaging well. They don't seem like an extremist group. They seem like uh inclusive to other people other than just anglers they're bringing people that own restaurants they're bringing people that are real estate agents you know all of these people make their living on tourism and the only reason right. we have tourism here is because of the water and i don't know if in your opinion how like how should the messaging be delivered the message the messaging should be delivered First of all, by a leader. Like, for instance, the way DeSantis took charge of, of Florida the last few years, okay? He's really done a good job becoming powerful. People listen to what he actually says. You know what I mean? Usually the governor is just, he's just there, right? I'd like to see that type of leadership about our water here in Florida because here in Florida is a little bit different than most of the other states. Mm-hmm. Water is everything. You know, when's the last time you've heard any politician, unless it's a bunch of environmentalists like, you know, Captains for Clean Waters is, is, is asking them and pulling something from them, when were they ever the ones leading the charge? They'll talk about economic growth. They'll talk about all this development and all that kind of stuff. But are they going to tell the people the truth about the issues that we have with our water? Mm-hmm. Because Florida is doing the same thing all across the strait. This crazy overdevelopment, they take the freshwater estuaries, they dam them up, they dry out places so they can build houses and all that kind of stuff. And I'm not saying that they should stop that, but they should stop doing it the way they're doing it now. And I'll give you a great example. Down here by Dania Bridge, there was a green space around Dania Bridge. It's been there since I can remember. Just this week, they leveled it. They put up the big booms and they're going to put a big giant cement seawall there along the intercoastal that used to be mangroves. Well, they don't have to put the seawall there. They can leave the mangroves, build a development behind it, do a boardwalk in front of the mangroves like we see in some of the parks on the West Coast without destroying the shoreline. The construction people, they don't understand that. They don't know that. They have no clue. But the Broward County and the state should be shoving stuff like that down their throats saying, no, we can do this and we can do this that will coincide with the environment rather than destroy it. Mm-hmm. Seawalls are the worst thing for our estuaries here in Florida. It's the worst thing. It makes the water hotter. 
no shade, no place for the fish. And the more seawalls, the less mullet, the less big fish, the less everything. And as you watch the seawalls being put up, you have to scream to the people that are leading the state, please change something here. Similar to what they're doing with the flow from the uh, Okeechobee to the Everglades. Mm -hmm. They recognize the problem. They've come up with some solutions. There's been some communication there. But that's a small piece because the rest of the state is just getting filled with concrete. Right. Yeah, the concrete yeah. is, is, man, that's, that's tough. And then once it goes in, it's not coming out. Right. So like here in Fort Lauderdale in the Tri-County area, right? So we've concreted everything. So you think of the water behind your house or the intercoastal like a swimming pool. Now you have to service that, right? You have to keep it clean. You can't dump shit in there. You know, think of it just like an aquarium or a swimming pool. A guy comes and cleans your swimming pool once a week. And if it don't, what happens to it? It becomes rancid. No one's going to swim there. Nothing's going to let that. You know what I mean? Right. Same with our intercoastal waterway, the same with our canals. If we're going to make it concrete, then we have to service the water. And none of that's being done. We're using our waterways like a dump. Every drain that comes off the highway, every drain that comes off the street, goes right into the intercoastal, which goes right into the ocean, and it's the whole state. All of this has to be changed. Do you think that... <laughs> it's um, a lot, I know. Well, yeah, it is a lot, and it's and, and that's where... I, I do believe that that's where some people get lost. Some people get lost and are like, we're t it's too far gone. Like, I don't know what we're going to do here. And that's where I wonder um, who that leader would be. Is it DeSantis? Is it the governor? I mean, he certainly seems to um, be be keenly aware of the water issue, and he has been. He knows. He has certainly been a, an advocate for it um, thus far. I wonder, you know, is is that just for political gain, or is is he really concerned about it? You know, I mean, time will tell. I think does he does he right. stand by these things well, over time, or or will he? Um, I, I don't know. He may, well, I think he's looking, I think he's looking at broader horizons, obviously, yeah. you know, he, he wants to lead the country and okay. So be it. And it doesn't necessarily have to be like a DeSantis. Why can't it be some FWC officer that overachieves and freaking goes to the, the FWC commissioner and says, this is what we should do. You know what I mean? And becomes the leader or maybe, I don't know, a mayor of Fort Lauderdale has all this friggin', you know, juice. Have the power to concrete the whole state. Well, maybe they have the power to lead this charge for the water. And whoever does that at first, I think people will follow. But the problem right now is people want to stay away from it. Right. Like DeSantis, he's the last one that wants the rest of the country to know that our water, you know, quality is deteriorating so badly. That does, that's not good for him. Not good right? for the why economy the of the state, right? Like there's so many people moving into Florida right now. Like I'm sure that he wants that to keep going. Like let's bring them in. There's every time people come in, that's more money for the state. Probably well, good. How about this? Every time, how about this? Every time somebody moves into Florida, they get a they get a manual that talks about how important the water is and what they can do to help support water quality here. Mm -hmm. I don't know. A million people moved here last last you know few years did they get a notice like that did they get educated about the water did they know what the water is supposed to be like no 
And this is what I mean. Maybe it's some dude from the EPA that does it. The DEP, one of these organizations, somebody step up, you know what I mean? And make a, a process, a program to teach people and to educate people and then implement it. What we see here in Fort Lauderdale is every time the government gets involved, it's kind of like a dog and pony show. You know what I mean? Like we have a, a they brag about a, a John boat with dip nets cleaning up the waterway. <laughs> and they gave this company a half a million dollars to do it. And then they turn around and they say, oh, well, we spent $2 million on cleaning up the water last year. One John boat. You know what I mean? And that was the answer to Fort Lauderdale's cleaning up the waterway after you know having the biggest sewage spill ever recorded. Wow. And it was all it's all fake. You know what I mean? They said they were gonna restore this Tarpon River that we have here in Fort Lauderdale. They put a dredge in there, they dredged about three hundred feet. The dredge left and they said, Okay, we're done and we did it. And they actually had a ribbon cutting thing like they did something there. <laughs> they did nothing. But they spent millions of dollars dredging. You know, and that's what I mean. It's like we really need somebody from the government to lead this thing because the way it works right now is the city of Fort Lauderdale can turn around and say they spent $3 million on fixing the intercoastal waterway last year. Right. You know what I mean? That's the dog and pony show that I'm talking about. And there's no media to keep anybody in check, you know, when they do do something like that. So is that what you were hoping is for failing. When, with your media company? Is that what you were kind of – Hoping well, that's what we eventually yeah, and that's we'll get what to we, that. Well, that's what we've been doing. It's so frustrating having that media company because I do it in my spare time, right? It's a subscription-based company, and we do have some subscribers, you know. And all I want is like ten bucks a month. If I had five hundred people give me ten bucks a month, and then something really happened that I needed to, you know, show people, it'd be okay to miss a day of work or whatever I needed to do in order to relay that message and make that content, make that media. Right. The way it works right now is I see it, I'm working, I can't do anything about it. So the frustration builds, you know what I mean? And I do what I can and people pat me on the back for it. And I appreciate it. Don't get me wrong, but it's, it's this uh, very frustrating snowball, you know, that you're constantly fighting. Right. Maybe we could get a few of the listeners over there right now. How would somebody join that? Just go to coastalcommunitynetwork.org. And you can become a member. It's a $10 a month thing. Um, what we do is, of course, we do the podcast. So we teach people about the water quality issues, what can be done, what can't be done, what is being done. And then we make media clips. Um, the media clip that we made last month was a very good one. It got over half a million exposures. And one of the key exposures that I thought was really cool was here in Fort Lauderdale, um, that Nextdoor app. If you were able to get 50 or 100 people in the Nextdoor app to actually look at your content, you know, you're doing pretty good because it's such a small area. But we had like um, 5,000 people from Nextdoor look at that video. Really? I don't know what Nextdoor is. What, the, is it, what does Nextdoor do? Nextdoor is like um, you, you join and it'd be for your own little community where you live. Yeah. Okay. I don't know how big your town is. Here in Fort Lauderdale, it's divided into like five sections, okay? Um, so it's basically like a Facebook-type page, but for your little neighborhood. Yeah. So, if, you know, people were leaving stuff on the sidewalk or whatever. You say, hey, you know, people are leaving stuff on the sidewalk, get this done or whatever. But it's a real local, local, you know, um, social media platform. So to get 5,000 people on Nextdoor to see the content, 
is be getting like 5 million people on YouTube because it's the right people that are actually seeing the content. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. So anyway, we're seeing some really big wins when it comes to, you know, that type of exposure and, um, you know, getting it targeted to the right people. You know, one of the big things that's turned me off about social media in the last five or six years is the way the algorithms work. So, yeah, you're getting big numbers, but God knows who's looking at it. Right. You know, and it's really kind of like not the same, which is why I love podcasts so much is because the only people that are going to listen to you and me, you know, talk are people that really want it. Right. Yep. That's the audience you want, you know, and that's the audience that we try to appeal to. And um, that's the positive, the positive side of the whole, you know, social media side of it. The hard thing is, is making content takes time, energy, and money, you know, and here in Fort Lauderdale, it's expensive to live. You cannot miss work. You know what I mean? So it's, yeah. it's a little frustrating for me. I would think that Fort Lauderdale is right up there with one of the most expensive places in the, in the entire country to live it is and in order to in order to be a fishing guide here is almost unrealistic um fortunately for me i've been embedded here for my you know basically my whole life and i'm at a place where i can get by but could you imagine tom moving to fort lauderdale spending a million and a half dollars on a house sending your kid to private school and then trying to be, be a fishing guide or a fishing captain i, I don't see how that i don't see how that's possible and, and it doesn't. And in our community, our fishing community is shrinking fast and it's getting replaced with mega yacht people. And people, like, the positive thing about that is these people have serious influence. So if they ever did get on the water quality kick, I think it would take over the friggin' state. Huh. You know I mean, wonder I mean, how, look at all those. wonder what the most effective way. Oh, wow. It's 10, four, two o'clock. Do you know about this? No, there is supposed to be a tone going out to every device. That was it to every device with a, with a speaker. And they tested that. That was a worldwide test. So it worked on all of our stuff. Um, wow. This, and I just got the alert. This is a test of the national wireless emergency alert system. The purpose is to maintain and improve alert and warning capabilities at the federal state local, tribal, and territorial <laughs> levels, and to evaluate the nation's public alert and warning capabilities. No action is required by the public. Um, while that will get the conspiracy um, th theorist going, if nothing else... Dude, will. I was on silent. I, oh, I was yeah. On silent, no, it, it won't make any difference. It, uh, <laughs> it, it, is, uh, it worked on every phone. I mean, uh, supposedly that was like... Certainly the country, but possibly what I heard is it possibly was the world. I saw inst on Instagram this morning that people were wrapping their televisions in aluminum foil. Um, I don't know. I guess. Did you ever see the movie The Kingsman? <laughs> I guess in that movie they sent out a tone and everybody in the world turned into a zombie from some for some reason. Um, <laughs> so there were some conspiracy theories going around that this tone today was going to be the, the end of the world. But I'm looking out the window. It still looks pretty nice out there. Um, so yeah, I think, we're I think, good here in South Florida. Good. I think we're good. <clears throat> well, all right. So take that tone, for instance, right? Yeah. So everybody that lives on the water with a fecal bacterial level is over the limit that it's supposed to be could get a message like that. 
to explain to them exactly what's going on with their water. That's what I'm talking about, you know, somebody being a leader, somebody doing something that would actually make something happen. Because all the science and stuff that all these foundations are doing, eh, it doesn't really do a whole lot. Right. What we need is we need, and we, we started to have a movement. I, it was, it, we, we, we started to create a movement, Captains for Clean Waters, all of us people that were into fishing. But it really kind of faded. Mm. And what this, what this fight really needs is a real movement. You know what I mean? It's the movement is more important than the science at this point. Yeah. Well, because we've you don't done need the science. science if you if you just know that the water's not healthy and your your child gets well, sick swimming in the ocean um, right. or gets flesh eating bacteria or gets something that you know or there's no more mullet run right or, well you know what we I, what I see is on. like I mean I love uniting anglers around um, something like the mullet run and you know it, it's obvious that when that goes downhill, that there's something wrong, and fishermen are a very powerful group. They really are. But the real action is when you get the mega yacht people and the people with real influence and, and the, the people that own restaurants and the people that own the big developments to say, listen, this the fishermen are worried about this, but so are we because without clean water, no one comes down to fill these hotels uh, that don't, don't may or may not have anything to do with fishing. I, I think that that is really where the where the the challenge is. It's easy to get fishermen to understand that that the water quality is deteriorating because you're out there all the time, right? Like the, you go out right. there, you're not seeing very many mullet. You, you know, this time five years ago, you caught all these fish. You go out there now, and maybe you don't catch any. You don't see any mullet. Something's definitely wrong. But until you get this broader base of of people that are concerned about this and willing to do something about it. I think it's a. I think it's tough right now. So I think that's the challenge. Well, that and the people that are coming to Florida now, um, water isn't their number one thing. I mean, if you want to, well, they don't think it is. They don't think it is until they they walk on a beach with a bunch of dead fish and and red tide and and can't breathe, and they're like, "Well, yeah, (laughs) this is this is horrible. I'm never coming back here." My point is, is the Mikasuki Casino. It's thriving, yes. and people are coming from all over the world to come in there to stay there to see shows. So, okay, Fort Lauderdale is now competing with what Vegas. You know what I mean? Yeah. And 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 if you look at it, those are the pe- people that we're competing for. We're competing for that Vegas person to come here and spend their money. That Vegas person that comes here to spend the money doesn't have maybe the passion for the water that the fisherman, the surfer, the paddleboarder, the beachgoer may have. And you can build the casino 10 miles from the beach in the middle of the swamp. All you got to do is concrete the goddamn thing and then build it. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm. And that's what Florida is choosing to do. Hmm. And look at Key West. Yeah. Well, you know? uh, Kenny Harris used See, to say, that's a choice. This, was, this was a long time ago, right before. I mean, there's been a lot of changes even since, since he was telling me this, but he was, he was always, you know, pretty vocal about, Key West and the development there and everything. And he was, he said, um, you know, if you could take Key West and turn it on its side and spin it like a merry-go-round, they would. <laughs> like, if they thought that would get more people there, then some of the people would actually opt, for, think that that's a good idea. 
like to, to right. <laughs> and, and well, and that, right. And that, that now, instead of being a key West thing, that's a state thing. Yeah. If they could do that to the whole state, they'd do it. So they're trying, they're yeah. trying pretty hard. So do you, I mean, you mentioned <laughs> uh, people in the government, BLM people, fish and wildlife people uh, that could possibly lead a charge like this. Do you think that it's possible that somebody outside of the government could, could do something meaningful? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think people are, you know what I mean? It's, it's just really slow going, you know, everybody knew when, especially the fishermen, when they started, you know, being real vocal about the water quality, nobody expected it to happen, you know, like in 18 months or two years or whatever. So the slow going process, you know, it's happening. Whose platform, whose program is going to click and become the next wave? You know what I mean? Right. Somebody's whether it's CCN, you know, whether uh, I got no faith in the foundations. And the reason I got no faith in the foundations is I've been watching the foundations since I was a kid talk about different stuff, starting with the Billfish Foundation in the ocean. And, you know, you, t- you talk and you hear. And, that, and especially now with the foundations, the only time I ever hear anything about the foundations is when they're trying to raise money. Mm. Like, okay, you can get a boat or you can win this or you can win that. Okay, what I really want to know is what progress has this foundation made in the last 10 years and where are we going in the next 10 years? You never hear that from any of them. Now, whether you know whether they have it or not, who knows, but I'm just saying that this is what's been going on with the foundations my whole <laughs> life. I've gone to so many charity events and fundraisers and I've given money to all of them and nothing nothing has really happened. And the more I look into the foundations and I actually watch what most of them are doing, it's not much. And they fall into the same category as the government where they make themselves look good because they need to raise money to support the foundation. And they'll twist things around and it's very much like the government. And I've lost faith in a lot of the foundations. What they have done is broaden the audience, gotten more people involved. So I'll give them the credit for that. But there definitely has to be more than these nonprofits. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, yeah. I mean, I, I do understand what you mean. I don't know what to do about it, though. That's where that's where I like to talk to people like you that are that are really on the front lines in these certain areas and just discuss solutions like if you could wave a magic wand what what would you do like if you if i could wave a magic wand okay because this is this is a great question and most people couldn't answer it but if i could wave a magic wand right now i would wave it all across disney sinclair media the biggest media companies in the world okay and i'd ask them to put the same emphasis on water quality as they put on identity on identities as much emphasis on water quality as they put on ESG and electric vehicles and all that kind of stuff. You know, we see more shit on TV about going green, going green, going green, except nothing's ever getting greener. Right. You know what I mean? They are all worried about the air that we're going to breathe 30 years from now, but what about the water that the fish are living in today? What about the water that your 
kids are swimming in today. That's already at levels where you can make people sick and that type of thing. Where's the big media companies? If I could wave that magic wand, I'd get them all on it tomorrow. If I watch a football game tomorrow on ESPN at the end, the end zone, it's going to say end racism. Well, let me, I got, I got news for the NFL. Okay. It doesn't matter what color you are, or what race you are. If your kids go swimming in that polluted water or they want to catch a fish in it, they're shit out of luck. You know what I mean? Yeah. Where's the message? Okay. And that's what I mean. You know, that's my magic wand. Well, I wonder like just, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm, for it. I'm just playing devil's advocate here. I just wonder where is the incentive? Like how that, that seems to be like, like there's obviously an incentive for, um, the electric vehicles, or there's an incentive for the, the going green. I don't know exactly what it is, but there's a reason why they are pushing that so hard because at some place, somebody's making some money off of it. And in some ways, you know, going green or you look at food labels. It's like, it's organic. It's, it's this or that. And I know in my heart, the only reason that they put that label on there is because <laughs> they thought they could sell more, right? Like there may be some companies out there that are doing good things and, and saying, look, we want to make a product that I would buy. And I'm the, I'm the owner of this company and I want a vegan organic product and it doesn't exist out there. So I'm going to build it. I'm sure that there are some companies out there like that. But then that message gets twisted and turned and it's like, well, man, people are buying that organic stuff. So let's make it organic or let's let's do whatever we can to get that organic label on there. I think the same thing is going on with so many other things is that there's a reason why they're pushing a certain certain you know, initiative or a certain message or certain whatever. Sure. How do we get this message? How do we get this cause, the the immediacy of cleaning up the water? How do we get that to be an agenda that that these companies can get behind because they are benefiting immediately from it? Like that seems to be well, the I'm, you know follow the money, right? Like that seems right. to be the answer to most things. Unfortunately, right. Is that even if it's the right thing to do, that that may not mean it's going to get done unless someone's going to profit off of it. Right. All right. So take uh, the federal government, for instance, with the EVs. They are subsidizing these companies billions, hundreds of millions, billions, whatever the numbers are. They're they're giving in the money to do something to uh, make EVs go along faster. Right. Okay. State of Florida. Okay. Why don't you subsidize some people? I'll give you a great example. John Lowe's has this company called uh, Clean Waterways. It's a protein skimmer, okay? It's not the answer to fix all the polluted water in uh, Florida, but it is a good system, and it will work in certain places, certain canals, certain areas. It's just a protein skimmer. It's not like crazy technology or whatever. It's not like, you know, we've recreated the wheel or anything, but it will work, and it has worked. Where's the state of Florida encouraging him giving him the money to build thousands of these so we can put in all these dead-end waterways that are so contaminated that will clean them up, okay? I'd like to see that. That would be leadership. That would answer your questions. How do we get this done? Well, the state of Florida can start by giving people incentives to clean up the water. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. How about this incentive? There's a, a company in Orlando, a guy named Scott Weiss owns it. He sent me one of these. It's called a parachute skimmer. 
And basically, you could put one behind your skiff, and I could put one behind my skiff, and we could go down the canal, and we could clean all the debris off the top of the water. Okay? Okay, so the state of Florida. Every licensed guy in the state of Florida can do this. Any day that they're not working, give them a subsidy. Give them $400 a day to go clean up the goddamn water. That answers the question of, you know, how can this happen? Well, it happened with electric because the government pushed it. Now there's companies saying, okay, I can make money doing it, and the government's going to help me. We could start from small Fort Lauderdale incentives all the way to state incentives to federal incentives, whatever it's going to take. But there are processes, just like electric vehicles, that we can have, that Mm -hmm. we already have to clean up the waterway. So you got the protein skimmer technology. There's a guy on the West Coast that makes these things called water goats. We should have thousands of those across the state of Florida. What do they do? Um, A water goat is simply like a seine net that covers the first five feet of water or first three feet of water or whatever you want to make it. So you put that in a canal, say one of these C-19 canals where the water flows one way and all the plastic and all the debris that floats down the water gets caught in this thing. Guy goes and picks it up like a trash can, except it's for the water. Hmm. Okay. Now that guy, give him some money, give him some subsidies to make a thousand of those and then give the counties subsidies to put them in their waterways and so on and so forth. Now, one of these politicians can go pound their chest and say, hey, look what we did here in Fort Lauderdale. Look what we did here in Broward County. DeSantis can say, look what we did in the state of Florida. To answer your question. Because. No, because those are questions that people get totally confused about. Unless you friggin' thought about it for hours on end, it's so confusing to say, how can we make this happen? So through the podcast, through this type of communication, maybe people, okay, I get it. Teach them a little bit and the snowball keeps going, hopefully. Man, I hope so. (laughs) I mean, I really do. I mean, because it does does seem like like an overwhelmingly large problem. And, but I felt the same way about, you know, the Everglades and, and that was explained to me in a calm, uh, understanding, patient way, because I'm not, I don't, I don't experience the same thing in the Keys as, as you do in Fort Lauderdale or you do on the, on the uh, West coast of Florida. Those, we're all experiencing different things that are associated with the same problem. Like in, in Flamingo, it's lack of fresh water and we don't have any. It's all dammed up. It should be moving down. And then, you know, the way it was explained to me at first, it's like, but they have way too much fresh water. It's like, how do you understand that? Like, how does that happen? And for the average person that doesn't know the Everglades very well and doesn't know the geography of of Florida, it becomes very confusing. Too much fresh water over here, no fresh water down here. Uh, these people are complaining about this. These people are complaining about this. It just seems like everybody's complaining about stuff and there's no answer to it. I think that Captains right. for Clean Water did a did a really nice job of putting out media that explained the problem with nice, easy to understand graphics. And when the Lake Okeechobee gets too full, this happens and this should be happening, but it's not because of all of these things. And I think that that, that explanation did bring a lot of more a lot more uh, interest a lot more optimism to that particular issue. In in this issue, oh, I mean, I think the same thing has to happen. Is first of all, you have to explain the problem 
to the public in a way that, that, that you're not talking down to them, in a way that you're not just pointing fingers and screaming, but in a way that everyone's interested and everyone understands that this is not just a fishing problem, that this is a problem that affects the entire economic structure of not just Fort Lauderdale, but the entire state of Florida. And right. that's when I think maybe the politicians get involved is if you can, you know, turn that around. But, I mean, but right now, all I hear is how Florida is just booming. Like everybody's moving there and, and there's so much going on. And so it's like, if you're, if you're a political leader on either party or even an independent, do you, to your point, do you really want to be like, hey, yeah, I mean, everything is going great here, but hey, um, the water's not good. Like, we need to fix this problem before we well, boom it any further. It, right. Well, we recognize what we're doing and then make adjustments to change it. And that's, you know, what I brought up earlier, with, especially with development. We got to change the development. We're never going to stop it. People are going to keep coming here. Then when you have developed areas, like I said, treat it like an aquarium or a swimming pool. Right. And, you know, it's an education process. We're not going to be able to make things the way they were. But on the other hand, between the DEP, the EPA, the FWC, all this money that we're spending um, supposedly to protect their environment, we have to keep the infrastructures and stuff up. Because that's something we can con control and we right. can do, and it's paid for. We paid for that shit. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. They always say, oh, well, the, the we don't have the funding. Well, we have the funding for that. We know that if you fix the pipes, that things are going to get better. So that's why my priority is always on infrastructure, because we know that's the problem. We know we can fix it. Okay, let's just plan out and do it. Right. So I stay on infrastructure after we fix infrastructure, then I'll move on, you know, to the well, next I, argument. I think honestly, I think that's a really good, good place to, to, to focus your argument because like you say, that is something that is controllable. It may be something that you're going to encounter incredible resistance for from the developers and from these other people, but it's not something that there isn't a track record. Like if you, I mean, you know, you say what you want to about Key West as far as, um, you know, what, what the decisions that have been made there with the cruise ships and many other things. But one thing that Key West definitely does is they protect that old town area heavily. And you can't just go in there and just tear one of those houses down and just build whatever you want. It has to be of architectural uh, similarity to everything that's there. You can tear some of it down, right. but you can't take it all down. And when it comes back up, it needs to look like there's standards of the way it needs to look. That's all that has to happen is somebody in these, even a local government says, well, you know, if you're going to do this, that's fine, but it has to improve the water quality. It cannot deteriorate the water quality further. And I don't know who that is or how that happens, but I wonder about the public health department. Do they ever weigh in on this this issue? Because it seems like that's squarely in their court of the water's not safe, people are getting sick. So well, we, we always talk about it on our podcast. The government's fake as far as I'm concerned. What they are supposed to do, what they're paid to do, 
they don't do. There's we don't need any laws. We don't need any new laws on pollution and infrastructure and all that stuff. We don't. Well, maybe that law about them dumping it in being legal should be changed. But we don't. If we'd simply enforce the laws that were already there, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, for instance, I'll give you. I'll give you a great for instance. I'm I'm fishing um, downtown Fort Lauderdale the other day. A mega yacht is dumping. I mean, literally dumping their their sewage tank into the water. So I call FWC. I call Coast Guard. I call a friend of mine that's in the departments. It took them two hours for somebody to respond. And of course, when they showed up, none of that stuff's left. Right. The captain says, oh, no, that was, you know, just, a, you know, something coming out of the bilge or whatever it may be. And the day goes on, except there's thousands of those yachts here in Fort Lauderdale. So if there is no enforcement on them dumping it into the water, then what's going to happen? They're going to dump it into the water. If the city of Fort Lauderdale can use the canal systems as a dump and the county and the state don't hold them accountable, then they're going to do it. So everybody in the government needs to do their job, like the Belichick says, do your job. And we wouldn't have these types of issues, but that, you know, we can go that through, the, through all the government. And, um, you know, you can make that same argument. But we have all the the laws we have all the bureaucracies set in place it's just nobody does anything yeah about it it's fake i yeah. call the government fake because i'm the one that calls the fwc the dep the epa and all these organizations and tell them what's going on you don't even get a call back you know what i mean like you're just okay they take the information you don't even get a call back and if you do it's a month later wow so there's a lot of work to be done. There's a lot of people that should have fingers pointed at them, like the people in these bureaucracies. And that's what I mean. Maybe somebody from one of these bureaucracies is going to step up and be that leader. Maybe somebody, somebody step up because the fishing guides were stepping up, but there's only, you know, obviously we're not getting the traction that we need, at least not fast enough. Yeah. Um, earlier you mentioned that you felt like the movement that uh, there was a movement, um, mostly from captains for clean water, um, initiated it and you felt like it had faded. Why, why do you think that is? COVID. Oh, really? I think a lot of it. Yeah. I think a lot of it had to do with COVID. Um, there's a lot of, uh, socializing that, doesn't go on so much anymore. I don't know if that's happened in your life, but it's definitely happened in my social network. Like we used to do that triple live thing at, at uh, Tarpon river brewery. Right. Yeah. yeah. It was real social. People showed up by big numbers and people talked about it. And there was like a, you know, a nice little thing going on there. It was a great show. COVID came, stopped that for a year. People didn't really show you know, the, the, the crazy demand for it, they're able to let it go. And I think that's, we've lost a lot because of that movement. Also here in Fort Lauderdale, because of that giant sewage spill, it happened right before COVID, right? We had that huge sewage spill. We're actually getting national coverage on it and people started to get it and people started to look. And then COVID came. 
You know, even DeSantis was on it before COVID came. DeSantis is supposed to come to Fort Lauderdale to see, you know, how bad the canals were devastated because of the sewage and all that. And there was some momentum there. He was actually, we were trying to make plans for him to go out on my skiff and look at it and, and explain, you know, the issues. As soon as COVID came, no more communication with Tallahassee. Hmm. Nobody's come down here to talk about the sewage. Nothing. It was dropped like a stone and it's never been picked up again. So yeah, we lost a little bit. And I also think um, CCA, I think is, has lost momentum. I think Captains for Clean Waters is the only one that's actually gained any momentum in the last few years. Um, and that's just from being in the, the network of people that, you know, go to these events and that type of thing. Right. Just a lot less murmur, a lot less talk. It's funny because um, COVID did, um, you know, from from fishing license sales and and other markers, seem to bring more people into the sport of fishing and seem to bring more people out onto the water because that's one of the places that you could go and do some stuff. It seems like that would not be the the correlation there between getting more people out there and having and kind of losing. Um, Losing some momentum. Well, I mean, Tom, the outdoorsman nowadays identifies himself a little bit different than the way we identifies ourselves as outdoorsmen. If somebody gets a Jeep and a jet ski now, they're an outdoorsman. Mm. They love the water. You know what I mean? Yeah. If somebody gets a pontoon boat to take their family out to have picnics on the weekends, that's the new sportsman. You know what I mean? They're not analyzing how many fish are there. They're not checking, you know, to see if the shrimp are coming out or the algae bloom that's happening. They just doesn't register in their mind. They're on the water. So, yeah, the numbers are up. But the momentum, in my opinion, on the water quality faded since COVID. Yeah. Those people didn't help. You know what I mean? Do you think there's anything that, that can be done to, to regain that momentum? I do, but I, I, I really think in order to get the momentum, we have to go after the youth. For instance, we have to go after high school kids and college kids. One, because it's up to them. It's going to take that generation to, to make it happen. Forget about these old farts that are saying no to everything or ignoring everything now. We got to reach out to the 16-year-old kid today for something to happen happen 10 years from now right you know what i mean i would like to do i would like to do similar to how we did with LunkerCon, where we got all the best fishermen together and had a great time and it was social and it was nothing but um to spread good news mm -hmm. in in a networking event i'd like to start that at a high school level for kids that love the water where they're only their only objective is to find more kids that love the water and to educate them to talk the way you and I can talk or to when they listen to you and I talk, they can analyze it and understand what we're actually talking about. Right. And I think if we do it and we start there with the young kids through media, because they're, they're so in tune to it, mm -hmm. we can get those young kids and that is the way to make it work. We're never going to get these old blue hairs to do anything. It's going to be about the new people 
new people. You know, like one of the one of the things that all of us fishermen are guilty of is we preach to the choir. Right. I love the choir, but the choir is an old record. We need new performers. Yeah. <laughs> and those are the six and, and we can do that with the high school and college kids. You know what I mean? Yeah. You, once if, once somebody starts working and they got to put in 40, 50 hours a week to pay their bills, the chances of getting them are slim to none. Right. You know, but if you start them off when they're in high school, they need service hours. They need things, you know, to make what they would call in their own eyes, a, you know, a progression point. We'll give this to them for run with. That's where I see real movement where something can actually happen. Right and on. if I could ever get a thousand subscribers for my CCN, I would simply go and visit schools 24 seven, 365 days a year. Right. I would, I would, I would, I would seriously quit guiding all the time to spread that word and to spread that message, but only to those kids because those kids are honest, they're teachable and they have the capacity to give it the attention and the care that it needs older people. It's not going to happen. Right, man. I love that. That I, I, I hope that we can get you a thousand subscribers. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, on this, it's been for, the most humbling podcast, thing, but I tell you what, you know, uh, maybe we can get a few and maybe we can get a few more. And, uh, that message would be, would be an incredible message, um, to, to those. I agree with you. It is with the kids. And um, they are the ones that um, that we have to. Unfortunately, we have to rely on them because I'm not sure that, like like you say, I'm not sure that um, our generation is going to be able to get it done. I think it's the I think it's the the younger generation. I don't know exactly what age that lies, but maybe it's the 20 25 year olds today. Maybe it's the 15 year olds today. I don't know. Maybe it's the five year. I think it goes younger than that, Tom. I think it's a, I think it's a kid that friggin can barely even eat, but sees the ocean and can't wait to get in it. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It starts that young. Yeah. And if those kids get it before they become a high school student, then we, then we won, then we did it. But those kids got to get it. Well, it's a pretty easy, <laughs> anyway. uh, it's a pretty easy, um, target. I mean, like the, it's not like you, there's a lot of convincing to, to love the ocean. You get around it, you get in it, you experience it. It is one of the easiest things to appreciate it of anything on this planet. It's one of the most powerful. Um, it's a living organism. And when you're around it, you just feel better. I think that, I mean, I've always heard that, you know, it's electrically charged with, with ions. And when you swim in the ocean, you are recharging yourself and when you're walking on the beach you know you always hear all the people talk about grounding and walking barefoot and all that stuff well <laughs> you know when you talk to somebody they're like how, how was your week at the beach oh, i was amazing you know i walked on the beach every day i just feel so great i just feel amazing well yeah you got vitamin d you were walking in the sand you're swimming in the ocean yeah that's a life force that's amazing so it's mm -hmm. not hard to get someone to love the ocean like it would be to get someone to i don't know love going on a diet or going or working right, out or right. something it's like right. dude, just to, go yeah. to the you ocean don't have to get the guy in a chicken wing there. or nothing yeah just go to the ocean sit there you're gonna love it it's amazing and uh 
that's that's that so we do have that going for us that if we can get the kids to visit the ocean they probably are going to love it well, well let, let me let me let me plug this one nonprofit um that a guy walter matthews started here in fort lauderdale it's called the tarpon river restoration project and high school kids that need service hours can uh, become part of this nonprofit and get their service hours so look at uh anybody that has kids that would like to get them involved in helping learn about the environment and cleaning it up, especially the waterways. It's Tarpon River Restoration Project. Um, just Google it. It's 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 designed for kids, and they can get their service hours. All these kids got to have these service hours nowadays. So it was a great way to um, accomplish two things with one stone. Um, and that is our first project to get the kids going, and. Basically, the way that project uh, is going to lay out, it's going to work like a multi-level type thing through high school kids. So high school kids will be encouraged and taught to recruit other high school kids to create this pyramid of kids that actually care and understand. Because it's one thing for the kids to say, oh, yeah, I care. But they also have to understand, hey, what can I do? Right. And this type of media that we're doing, where we're able to talk for a long period of time, people are actually going to walk away and say, oh, this is what we can do and get the kids involved. Oh, we can ask the bureaucrats to actually do their job. Oh, we can do this. We can. Do... And, and it's a process. Um, so anyway, that Tarpon River Restoration Project, um, kids here in Fort Lauderdale have already started it. I want to grow it across the whole state. I think all the kids can can do it, whether it's freshwater, saltwater, coastal, swamp. It doesn't matter if you live in Florida and you're a teenager and you love fishing surfing kayaking airboating hunting you name it you can get involved and you can get your service hours through trp wow that's <laughs> really plug, great huh? that's really great so um you know this conversation was certainly not designed to be a bummer uh in any in any capacity you know we just kind of got on this subject of of what's going on in Fort Lauderdale and and Jeff's laying it out there exactly as it is but what I like about it is that we're discussing solutions and and also kind of kicking around some some ideas you know some of them are good ideas some of them might not be good ideas but I think that that is is a place that you also have to start of of communicating and and talking and understanding what the issues are and you know Maybe trying to come up with some ideas. Some some aren't going to be good, and some are going to be good. But I like these a lot. The so the ones that we've gone over the Tarpon River Restoration Project, Jeff's own Coastal Community Network dot org. Of course, we talked about Captains for Clean Water and CCA. Those are both uh, great organizations. I would strongly encourage that if you're interested in uh, the water in Florida, if you're interested in the water in Fort Lauderdale or any of these any of these uh, smaller towns throughout Florida that you really look into all, all of these things and, and learn for yourself. Don't take it from me or don't take it from Jeff. Like learn, learn it for yourself and, um, and then get involved if it's something that you're interested in. So, certainly something that I'm interested in and, and obviously Jeff as well. We're, we also, you know, just completely transparent, like we make our living this way. So it means even more. But I, I think that both of you, you and I are, are the same in that we'd gladly not make our living there if, if we could clean the water up with a wave of the, of the, uh, of the wand. 
right? Like that, that certainly means more to hopefully have my children and grandchildren to be able to experience many of the same things that, that I have on the water, which were some of the greatest things I've ever seen in my life. Um, that's where we are. That's where, that we, is are. where we are. And people that, uh, if you got young kids, it's going to happen to you. If you're into fishing and you take your kids fishing and they start catching stuff and you have a great day, all of a sudden you're going to, it prioritizes this thing. It makes you realize how important it really is because all the fish in the world and all the clean water in the world, if it doesn't unite families and make life better for everybody, then what good is it? Right. There you go. There's not too many things in this world, you know, that does that, that does that. So that's right. But well, man, that's a good place to stop. I think. Well, Tom, I appreciate um, appreciate you inviting me on the you know the Tom Rowland podcast. Of course, man, it's always, always great to big, have you. Next time we're gonna fan. next time we're gonna tell jokes and laugh and and <laughs> have a have a great time like we did the first time you were on the show. Um, but uh, I, I think these are these are really important conversations, and I think that you're a really important voice in the in the fishing community. And I and I really want to know what you have to say about all of these things because you're you're definitely on the front lines in this one in in fort lauderdale and and your opinion is is very important to me and and i think to many of most of the people that are listening to this show as well so uh keep after it man and uh and keep your head up i, I will if you will i will <laughs> I all right, will. All right. Yeah, run that dog. Yeah, run that dog. So that's jeff maggio the lunker dog you can find him on uh youtube what's your youtube just the, the Muller Run, just Google Lunker Dog. You'll get all the different feeds from different YouTube stations, podcasts, Facebook, Instagram, all that monkey business. Um, a lot less than ever before. But and you can podcasts go are the way to go. Yeah, podcasts. Yeah, podcasts are the way to go. Keep listening to more podcasts because that's the media that uh, is my favorite. Right on. And if they uh, wanted to go fishing with you, what, what do they do? Lunkerdog.com. Lunkerdog.com. That's the place. And uh, Fort Lauderdale or Miami, right? Yep, Fort Lauderdale, Miami. Um, the wintertime, we fish Miami because the boat traffic just is too crazy here in Fort Lauderdale. <laughs> right on. Oh, you got some great fishing there, man, right? In the, if you never fish Miami, um, you know, fishing, you're, you're right in the middle of town and and catching amazing fish it's it's really most underrated tarpon fishing in the world fort lauderdale miami yeah i believe it and most underrated but some of the highest quality and highest numbers are coming out of there because you guys fish all year round pretty much yep. i mean is there a month that yep, you don't catch... catch tarpon nope yep. catch them year round and we change the way we catch them so it um stays interesting stays fun the amount of fish we caught over the summer um, with fly gear was phenomenal. And then going into the winter, get ready for the bridge fishing, the shrimp coming out of Biscayne Bay, all the good stuff. Tom, thanks so much for having me on the podcast. All right, buddy. We'll talk to you later, Jeff. That's the Lunker Dog. We'll be back with another great guest just like Jeff next week, so make sure to tune in. All right, see you later.